welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been. That includes a serial killer with spider legs, the ghost of a roommate who didn't even respect boundaries when she was alive, a demon in braces, which I think was a Goosebumps book, and worst of all, a big-time Frankenstein. I'm Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk. (laughs) Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. What went down in your life outside the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that there's a cursed roommate of some kind down here because oh. <laughs> the scariest thing that happened to do happened to me this week is roommate related. Um, so we got a new roommate like maybe a year ago. He's he's great. He's way better than the roommate we had before. But sh- sharing like a bathroom with someone was definitely something that I was like, man, this sucks <laughs> having to do this again. And so I had to have a talk about cleaning it because I cleaned it the last time sure. and then it was starting to get pretty bad. And I was like, I was just for some reason hoping he would just pick up on the fact like, hey, you share the space too and it's getting not great. It's your turn to clean it because I did it last time when I was like, I actually never had that conversation. Mm. You were expecting so him had- to read your mind. Or just like, shouldn't you also want to clean this because it's gross? But like, are you playing chicken with me? Like, you sh- <laughs> you should want to clean it. Which the previous roommate I had, he was literally just like, oh, I just waited for the other roommate to do it last time. I was like, no, you have to do it. I'm not your mother. <laughs> I literally had to tell him I'm not your mother. Yeah, that sucks. But uh, that that was the previous roommate. So I was like, man. He was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll I'll do it this weekend. I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but also just like the anxiety about having to have a talk about stuff like that. That is scary. It's, it's, not, it's not fun. Because <laughs> what if he ate you? Uh, that would not be great. What if he What if he said, oh, you want me to clean the bathroom? Well, let me just unhinge my jaw. And now there's no problem anymore. Now there's no problem anymore. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I had some social anxiety about uh, roommate things. What about you, Mikey? What was the scariest thing that happened to you this week? Uh, I'll tell you the scariest thing that happened to me this week, Roxy. All right. What's up? I began reaching out to people. Oh? To see if they wanted to play roles in a big project I've been working on for a year. Oh my god. Okay, that's gotta be daunting. I mean, I'm sure it's scary, but it's gotta be a little fun too, maybe, right? It's it's fun when they respond back and they're like, yeah, that was fun. That was really uh-huh. great. What's scary is just being like, hey, do you remember like a year ago I asked you about a thing while uh-huh. I finished writing it and do you- do you want to come be in it? (laughs) And it's like, you got to send the script out. And then they got to read your script. And you're just like, all right, well, here's kind of my heart. I hope you like it. Oh, no. Scary. That is, and being vulnerable is incredibly scary. But I'm glad you put yourself out there and did that. I think that's very important. I did, yeah. And everybody who I've asked to be in it has said they want to be in it. We've gotten a lot of dream cast members that I didn't think were going to do it because they're on like real tv shows that's wonderful so that's very cool it it worked out very well but it was it was like i just like looked through my everything i had on my to-do list for the last week Uh and just even seeing like email this person about that project i was just like it made me tense again even though i know it's already over it's Mm -hmm. like a ghost roxy it's like the ghost is gonna haunt me for the entire rest of my life Anxiety. But even does though it's that. done, it might be back. It might come back. What if they just change their mind? What if they hate me? Well, believe in yourself. 
<laughs> that's okay. that's the thing to do. But uh, just saying that, it, how do you even put that into practice? Somebody who I am not confident in one way or the other, I don't oh. know if they hate me or not, is the demon bot. Here he is stomping on over. Uh-oh. Uh, still dressed like Chucky. Did you sleep in that, buddy? I am not dressed like Chucky. I just think that overalls will be in this year. Anyway, Mikey and Roxy, you were assigned the film Child's Play 2. Did you watch the film, or your soul's forfeit? Uh, Roxy, I did watch Child's Play 2. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. Hell yeah. Then you may keep your souls. For now. And then you skittered away. Holy shit. So fast. Roxy, let's recap the plot for anybody listening up at the scary basement cellar door who has maybe not seen Child's Play 2. Okay? Okay. We open with a classic cleaning up the doll montage as the good guy corporation scrapes off the burned plastic of the original Chucky doll from the first movie and gives it new skin, new eyes, and new freckles in an attempt to prove to the public that no, this good guy doll isn't evil. Their hypothesis is proven incorrect, however, when the just-completed doll electrocutes a toy designer. Meanwhile, Andy Barclay, the protagonist from the first movie, is stuck in foster care after his mother was institutionalized for suggesting a doll could be evil. He's taken in by the foster family, the Simpsons. Who live conspicuously close to the good guy doll factory. A good guy executive then takes home the evil Chucky doll, who of course comes to life, and suffocates him with a plastic bag. But before all that, Chucky calls the children home and finds Andy's new address. Knowing he's the only boy he can pop his soul into to get out of this doll body, Chucky once again goes on the hunt for Andy. Andy gets to know his new foster family, including Mom Joanna, Dad Mr. Simpson, and 16-year-old fellow foster child Kyle, who functions as a cool older sister. But when Chucky arrives, he smashes up the normal, non-serial killer good guy doll already in the house and takes its place. Soon, Chucky ties up Andy in the middle of the night and attempts to take the boy's soul. <laughs> Didn't take him long. <laughs> he just gets right to work. Yep. Of course, no one believes Andy that Chucky is after him. So Andy goes off to his new school with Chucky secretly in tow. There, Chucky writes, fuck you, bitch, on Andy's homework, earning Andy detention from his mean old teacher, Miss Kettlewell. After Andy bolts, though, Miss Kettlewell pays for her life for upsetting the little ginger doll. She gets real stabbed in her chest. Now, Andy goes on the attack. He brings a knife into the basement to kill Chucky himself. He's going to take care of it this time. A brief Andy-Chucky scuffle ensues, which leads Mr. Simpson to come check on the noise in the basement. Only for him to then get tripped by Chucky on the stairs, and right as he realizes, oh shit, Chucky was real, Chucky breaks his neck. Joanne shows up, who is the mom, she calls the police, and Andy is taken back to the group home. Kyle, that cool older sister, then discovers the smashed up Tommy doll and realizes that Andy was telling the truth. Chucky really is some kind of evil something. She finds Joanna already murdered up in the house, and then gets abducted by Chucky herself at knife point and forced to drive them both to the group home. There, Chucky kills the lady who's just trying to get these kids adopted, for Christ's sakes, and pairs back up with Andy. Then, Andy and Chucky go off in search of a quiet place to switch souls. That place turns out to be 
the good guy factory, because why not? Chucky tries to adui dese dembella his way into Andy's body, but no, it's too late. Chucky spent too much time in the doll. He's trapped. This is his real body now. Enraged and ready to murder, Chucky loses his goddamn mind chasing Andy and Kyle around the factory. Kyle returns to save Andy and they run through the massive toy factory filled with Chucky lookalikes and horrific robotic arms building more Chucky lookalikes. We see the real Chucky get his hand ripped off and then shove his stump into a knife to become a freaking Captain Hook. At that point, Andy and Kyle get the better of him, though, when they sew his little doll dick to a platform, slice off his legs, cover him in molten plastic, and blow his head up with an air tube. Andy and Kyle then leave the good guy factory, heading for home. Where is home? Andy asks. Kyle responds, Find out in Child's Play 3. Nah, she actually says she has no idea. There's no idea where home is. <laughs> How would she know? That Roxy is Child's Play 2. What a film, huh? It sure is. Yeah, Child's Play 2. I'm going to tell you a little fact about me, Roxy. This uh-huh. is the first horror movie I ever saw. Really? You yeah. saw it before Child's Play 1? I did. Yeah, it was just on TV oh. a lot. Oh, okay. Weird. <laughs> the very first horror movie. There are certain moments... Of this, I, I not only was it the first horror movie I saw, I taped it and watched it over and over and over. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't quite realize that. We How did we not talk about this when we were reviewing Child's Play 1? Madness. Uh, we were saving it all for this. <laughs> I guess <laughs> so. It makes talk sense. About it. There are certain lines in this movie that are just like forever embedded in my memory. And they're not like the ones you would remember. But there is a little moment when... Chucky is in the school looking for Andy's specific paper to write fuck you, bitch, to his teacher. Uh Uh-huh. And the way Chucky says it, I have 100% said to myself a thousand times. Chucky goes, just the way Brad Dourif reads this line is insane. He just goes like, where, where is it? Where is it? Uh-huh. And then it, like, fades out slowly. And I'm just like, oh, I can't find my keys. I'm just where, where is it? Where is it? And then when I do find them, I go, aha. It's just like a weird kick <laughs> I have from having watched this movie hundreds of hundreds of times. Sometimes stuff will, like that will just stick with you. I can't come up with one right now, but I've definitely got things like that. It's just that, that stuck in my mind in some sort of sense memory. And I just remember it and associate it with things <laughs> and say stuff. Roxy, I think Chucky is my favorite horror villain. I think he's funny. I think he is mean when he needs to be. I think he's angry when he needs to be. I think that, like, even, like, seeing him develop later, he becomes very, like, uh, queer positive. Like, there's just, like, a lot to like about Chucky. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely interesting, especially because, well, now he's trapped in this doll body. And then that's when the movies kind of give over into absolute camp territory. Mm -hmm. The first two are pretty, pretty much like, yes, these are horror movies with, yeah, our villain is a kind of wise kraken literal doll like a children's (laughs) toy but it still has a lot of very horrific elements to it especially when you've got like a kid who is trying to evade these things and a kid who adults literally don't take him seriously or listen to him so he people who are supposed to help him don't Mm -hmm. so he's on his own and he's like eight (laughs) he he goes through 
this is more of like about the Chucky franchise, I guess I'm going to say real quick. I won't dwell on it because we're just talking about a single movie. But he goes from being kind of like more of a serious villain to them being like a horror comedy villain mm-hmm. to being a little bit more serious but also campy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a li- he's more deadly. It feels more like he will straight up murder you, but he's still going to laugh about it and maybe more try and psychologically manipulate you about it instead of just quipping a joke and then killing yeah. you. He's going to manipulate you. I feel like this movie is the perfect, like this is the canonical child's play movie. It's like right mm. in the sweet spot because and, th- and I think it's because of two specific scenes that uh, just in like reading, you know, I-, I found this old Fangoria article about Child's Play 2 that uh-huh. if it came out before the movie came out, it's just like full of spoilers. I was like, is this what fan magazines used to do? They're just like, oh, the film's climax takes place at the good guy doll factory. And I was like, that would have been a huge, cool surprise. Apparently... The climax at the doll factory and the scene at the school with Mrs. Kettlewell were planned for the first movie. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Which makes so much sense because it's like when you're thinking like, what are the like worlds of the child that would be like very scary? There's like, I guess the toy store is a little closer, but like the good guy doll factory kind of mimics for me like all the Chucky dolls. Like it feels like, oh yeah, that's like in the pocket. That's the kind of idea you want to have in a Chucky movie. And especially because it's his origin, essentially to mm-hmm. how his body was made. <laughs> right. Yeah. We see his body being made. There's a lot of body, not quite body horror, but a little bit of like, you know, the cleaning off of Chucky is what opens the movie and the complete destruction yeah. of his body. Which is what also ends the, it. Their concept to do that is like the, the general public, if their idea of, repairing him to be like see he's not a murder doll you could just take any doll from the factory the general public isn't gonna know like did the were you like videotaping it to show like oh yeah this was the one that the kid said was evil but it's not actually evil it's like no you just take whichever one off the shelf and be like see look it's totally normal it says whatever (laughs) that kid was lying roxy that is is that is such a great point it made me realize another thing that is insane about their plan which is like they're like the supermarket tabloids are talking about andy barkley and his killer doll if they came out and said we got the killer doll and fixed it then all of the normal people are like so it was a killer doll? Like, what yeah, that's a good point, about? too. It's acknowledging- And also, like, the mother was committed, so it's like, this is just crazy talk. They're not legitimizing what she's saying. The Why only legitimate the adult doll? that could lend credence to it is just gone. So, like, you have this whole extended sequence that makes absolutely no sense. It's just like, this is a cool set piece for the movie, and because we need Chucky back in order, so this is the best we could come up with at the time, Well, here's I the guess. thing. I, I did write down, like, I think that's, like, a really good way to get Chucky back. And it is hearkening to, like, something we've talked about on this show a ton, the idea that capitalism is the true evil, that the company's like, our profits are falling because of the rumors about killer dolls. So let's just show them the killer dolls. It is, it took 20 seconds of thought for me to, for you just now to bring it up and me to go like, oh yeah, that's the stupidest idea possible. But I have it written down. I'm just like, this is a really great idea. Such a brilliant way to bring Chucky back is what I literally have written down here. I mean, it's fun to watch. It's like a very kind of interesting sequence where you literally see them like scraping like all mm-hmm. the burnt plastic skin off and like you see his skeleton yeah. and then he's they're reassembling it it's got it's a lot also of that very like ship of theseus theseus thing so like where 
Where is the soul house? Is it in pieces of the melted plastic? I mean, I know later the way the Chucky mythos works, there's like going to be multiple like clone Chucky's and shit. Like you yeah. just keep transferring, but like they weren't thinking about that now. <laughs> so like I, I don't know how he inhabits it, especially because he just won't fucking die in the ending of it. They kill him like three times and think he's dead, and he's do. not dead. And even after they blow up his head, his body is still kind of there, and I'm like. Well, is it still in those bits right. too? It's no, you're exactly right. Like, why does the Chucky body become so durable? Why is that happening? The I, like specific one he's inhabiting? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't have an answer to this, and I'm wondering if there's a thematic or like silly reason that they have for it. But like, is it that you can't? I mean, that like plastic is so much more durable than <laughs> human I guess, meat. But then it's like. It's turning to flesh, because, like, that's what happens at the end that's pretty gnarly when, like, his hand gets snapped off, and then he ha- he puts that knife blade, like, in the stump of the hand mm-hmm. that got, like, ripped off. You know uh, what it is? It, it's- it gets ripped off with, like, flesh and blood looking. Boy, it's doesn't. quite gross. And then he's, like, screaming in pain when it rips off, and then he's screaming in pain when he's jamming <laughs> the stump into the freaking knife. What's so cool about that scene is, like, it is Chucky abandoning his number one most powerful weapon which is the fact that he can hide as a doll like Mm, once he starts bleeding and taping knives to his hands like no adult's gonna be like oh andy you think that doll killed mr simpson they're like i would believe that (laughs) yeah it's bleeding from his hand it's got a knife well i think that's also when that happens because now he's is fully stuck in that body he thought that maybe he could get out of it but mm-hmm. now he for sure as hell cannot. And I guess that's another reason why the movies turn into more like horror comedy. Because, yeah, what is Chucky's motivation now other than, I guess, to get revenge on Andy? Right. Like, because he can't, he can't get the body back by going to Andy now. So yeah. <laughs> what does he do? Yeah, he's just a regular serial killer now who happens to be a doll. Yeah, and now he's going to keep getting his body fucked up because he can't just get like... I mean, I guess he could technically be replacing parts, maybe? Like I said, Ship and Theseus, can he just pop out that arm even if it's fleshy and then attach a new one and then it would like graft on and become flesh? You know what I would love for Chucky is like a, a Krang from Ninja Turtles thing where if he gets like a oh. cyborg body and he can rest in the stomach and just like control it, but it looks like a normal man. There you go. I think that would be cool <laughs> that, for Chucky. That would be the ultimate goal. You need to go back in time and tell <laughs> Chucky that's what he needs to do. <laughs> so this movie... I'm almost afraid to talk about it now because I mm-hmm. went into this so excited about like the opening sequence and I was like, oh wait, that does suck. I'm almost like Well, like I said, it looks cool and like cinematography wise, conceptually, it's really cool. It just makes no sense why they did full, it. Full disclosure, I don't think it sucks. <laughs> I think okay. Uh, I think it rules. I think it's a very dumb idea. And I think it sucks, but I also am in love with it and happy okay, to have it. Gotcha, but gotcha. I just I, wanted to make sure I did not ruin this scene for him. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's this question of like, I was like tracking all of these little decisions and they all feel pretty logical from what mm. happened at the end of Child's Play 1. It's like Andy's mother would not go back on her story and like getting committed. Yeah. It's not crazy. Like that, I could see that happening. He gets taken in by the foster system. Like. I kind of like how little we know about these foster parents, but we get just enough to kind of get the sense of their dynamic. I really, really love the moment where Andy finds the, like, angel, and Joanna, the stepmom, the foster mom, rather, is like, 
my grandmother gave that to my mother and my mother gave it to me and Andy's like who are you going to give it to and she just ignores him <laughs> she just takes it from yeah. him and moves on it's like that's very sad and it's like okay I could see why you would be so ready to jump in and help all these kids like you can't have kids of your own and god bless you I thought that was like really nice and likable and like a good filmic moment yeah the husband is kind of kind of shitty but it's like understandable the yeah. issues he has with things because it seems more like his wife wanted a kid and for whatever reason they couldn't have one or didn't have one it feels more like he's adopting a kid because his wife wants to mm-hmm. and not necessarily because he does but he's like going to support her and do it but he's like yeah do we really are we really equipped to like handle a child who was dealing with murder and like his mom was committed i don't think i'm prepared to do that and it's not so much like he's saying uh, andy's fucked up i can't fix him it's more like you should only be adopting a child if you were literally prepared to adopt that child and everything that comes with them and he had enough sense to know he can't handle it but the mom uh the adoptive mom was like oh we'll just figure it out it's fine Mm -hmm. and it's also like it's a very sweet moment when she says like besides i like him i like yeah which i think is like that's that's legit you know like that's I think, you can learn and grow from having that be your starter, sure, as long as you're committed to trying to help him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that this conflict between the parents over whether we have Andy or not, it's like, it's my favorite kind of conflict in movies. It's like, I see both of their sides. I think they're both right. I think they're both coming from like a place of like care about this person. And you're just like, yeah, this is a shitty situation for both of you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially with the older kid, too, because it seems like with Kyle, Kyle makes a point to say, like, she's only got one more year in the system, then she's out on Mm -hmm. her own. So she's like, you guys aren't going to keep me here anyway. I need to prioritize my job because I'm going to be on my own. Nobody's going to fucking help me, Mm -hmm. which might have been another reason why they took her in, because it seems like the mom kind of wants to help kids who maybe no one else would help. Right. Or something, possibly, which makes it even more sad that, like, she dies (laughs) well and i will say this about the mom who i think is the foster mom rather i think is the best character in this movie and it's really a bummer that her death just happens off screen is kind of forgotten yeah yeah it is off screen which is weird i i have a lot a a lot of my memories about this movie having seen it on usa a ton is that there are a bunch of moments that like were edited that i don't remember like i didn't know i never quite understood the moment when like andy's teacher showed him the paper and why he got detention because they cut out the shot where, that says fuck you bitch okay. and so i just yeah. like okay that was weird uh, whatever but then i watched it and saw it it does almost feel like the foster mom's death was cut out for television but it just wasn't it was just not in the movie hmm. oh really so maybe you didn't see it when you were a kid that's well that's what, no that's what i mean like it feels or in the actual was. movie it feels like a moment from the usa version that was cut out like Oh, because there's a missing scene is what it feels like. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does feel like that. And then they go to the frickin' foster home and the lady with the curly hair who's running the the foster home, like, gets this big scene with Chucky where she gets to, like, we get to see her response to Chucky being alive. And it's like, this belongs to foster mom. Foster mom deserves this scene. Curly hair lady can get killed off screen. Who cares? She's not. Yeah, she was in, like, one scene before that, like, had no emotional weight. Yeah, truly, truly frustrating. I I like Joanna a lot, and I feel bad that we didn't ever get to see the scene where, like, and even, like, what that would mean for her, you know? Like, she stuck up for this kid, and she was so betrayed. Like, she has this, I will also say, it's kind of something we were talking about with Malignant last week. Joanna's performance is weirdly operatic, too. She's kind of, she's very big, but in a way that is, like, silly and 
detracts from the movie. D- doesn't detract from the movie, I should say. But like, I don't know. Like, it would have it would have been almost a happy death. Like, she she lost her husband, right? Mm-hmm. And because she stuck up for this kid, and there's almost yeah. this like, if she saw that Chucky was alive, she's like, well, at least I didn't kill yes, my husband. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. I agree. And also being like, yeah, my choice to support this kid was correct. Yeah. It's just, it's it's too bad that he was right about the murder doll. So Yeah, it's about the murder doll and not about me. Yeah, we, des- we deserve that. Joanna deserved that. Uh, when I someday am in charge of remaking Child's Play 2, fuck it. Joanna's the main character. I don't care. And I'm going to get the same <laughs> so actress. It- it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because I'd say one of the reasons that makes this feel more like the quintessential child's play experience compared to the first one is that Andy is our viewpoint character for like the entire time whereas child's play one he shared it with his mom yes his mom starts out as the viewpoint character and then he kind of comes in but they still like share the role Mm -hmm. i remember that like in the first child's play movie there's like almost a a, like a hard shift halfway through when like andy goes to like the little children's psychiatric ward where it's like all of a sudden it becomes the mom's movie yeah, to an extent, because, like, he's trapped and it's more about her saving him, not really about him saving himself. Not mm-hmm. that he doesn't do some of that in the movie, but she's a mom who cares about her kids, so you have to give her the screen time to do that. Otherwise, what's the point of building up the relationship mm-hmm. the way you did? So I think in Child's Play 2, since the mom is just gone, I don't, I haven't seen all of the in-between sequels. I saw, like, the reboot Chucky movie, so I don't know if she ever ever comes back does she ever come back in any of the sequels do you think know so okay which w- is kind of sad if she just like i don't know dies in the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the insane asylum they forgot she existed i guess uh i i want to say kyle just came back in the most recent movie oh did she okay yeah. man i should just watch the rest of these yeah <laughs> I, I would say and it it's interesting it does get a little bit into like it does kind of become kyle's movie once andy gets Taken back to the or like the home. two of them because she's still she's also a kid too so mm. it's kind of like we're we're seeing it through both kids perspectives well, even though I guess she's driving and I would say that is I think the smartest decision this movie makes is mm. that the person who ultimately ends up believing Andy and is in a position to save him is of course Kyle because she is the one who exists in both worlds it's like children can fight Chucky. Right? Because they kind of believe that he could be alive. They're like, they they know the truth of him a little bit because well, they because believe in magic. Chucky, well, not just that, like, Chucky uses that to his advantage knowing that nobody's going to believe a kid. So mm-hmm. he will reveal himself to kids all the time because, you know, the kid talks about that. They're just going to sound crazy or like they're making stuff up. No, nobody's going to believe them. That's true. So he has the freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think also because Kyle herself is like a kid who's been in the system since she was little, she is like, what Andy could grow up to be. She's in a position. She she knows what it's like to be in Andy's position because mm-hmm. she was there. And Andy might become the same in the position she is in, shuffling around in the system too. So I think she also feels this kind of, maybe not responsibility, but kind of like she can't just leave him be. She knows mm-hmm. uh, she's been where he's been. So I take it back. To- I said Joanna was my favorite character. I think it's Kyle. Kyle rules. Kyle's great. Yeah, she's like the cool older sister. And even though she's like jaded from everything she's been to, she still is like there for Andy Mm -hmm. and still has like a soft spot for him, even with all that. And like, she doesn't believe Joanne is going to keep her, but and she does have like, you know, teen attitude, but she's not like mean. She's just kind of like, 
yeah, you guys are just aren't going to keep me here. I get it. I know what it's like. But she doesn't, like, resent them for it. She's just like, no, that's just how it is. Yeah, that actress had a really fine needle to thread. You know what I mean? Like, she had to both mm-hmm. simultaneously be like, Andy, you little shit, you got me grounded because you lied about breaking the angel. But then she also had to be like, but I still kind of like you and hold my cigarette. Like, she had to do both yeah. simultaneously. And in a worse actress's hands, that would have fallen apart. It's like she would have picked one direction and gone both. But she somehow mm-hmm. does both at the same time where she's kind of like, I both buy her as an angsty teen and as like a nice person who wants to help out this kid. Like, she does a really good job. Damn. Yeah, she's kind of like a surrogate older s- sister. And I know the third movie is like the, what, the military boot camp, boot camp one or baby. something. So like... I, I would have liked to have seen them continue to, like, hang out and, like, maybe make kind of a family in a way. Where oh, God, me too. She's They're kind of like siblings, um, which is too bad that's not the direction it went. But I like that it had the potential to go that way mm-hmm. because it was kind of a cute ending, especially when they're, like, going home. Yeah. Because it's like, let's go home. Where's home? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out is what it felt like. Which is we'll figure kind, it out together. kind of this, like, I don't know. Andy doesn't really change that much as a character does he not really i mean in i i think did he show up in the tv series he just becomes more like i'm, I'm gonna hunt down chucky i guess uh-huh. kind of but <laughs> just, beyond just that about, he doesn't like, really uh, in terms of this movie like he starts out believing chucky's real wishing everybody mm, would okay, listen to him yeah. and like he doesn't like learn doesn't anything about himself all. yeah yeah, actually, yeah, that's a and good I, point. Even when we're just talking about in this movie, he mm-hmm. doesn't have any sort of change, I guess. Right, because he, like he, he opens the movie not having a home. Yeah. And he ends the movie not having a home, so it's like, there, there is a little bit of like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> and like, even if, he, even if he has Kyle, it's not like he didn't trust people and then he learned to trust people because of Kyle. Right. No, he, he didn't have an issue with that at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, he trusted he the foster parents. <laughs> You know, because, like, his mother was still good to him. The problem wasn't, like, sure, adults weren't believing him, but his mother was still good to him. The cop, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately helped him in the first movie. So it was more about just Chucky was his only problem. It wasn't, like, him (laughs) getting in his own way or any of his personal, like, motivations or, like, beliefs or anything. This kid is remarkably well-adjusted for having gone through a Chucky scenario. Yes, yes, he is. He's still, like... He doesn't have an arc, I guess. What, what, what would his arc be? He doesn't... Well, that's. I think you identified it, right? Like, the idea that he doesn't trust people, like, we, exist, we know it's though. a Chucky thing. No, I know. Like, that's what it should have been. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, gotcha. If, if yeah, you yeah. look at it from, like, a kid's perspective, they he would simultaneously be like, yeah, Chucky is a uh, horrible influence and I'm scared of him. But also, like, his mom's gone. Yes. So I could have seen, like, a story where he goes to this foster home and he's just like, I don't trust you. You're going to leave too. And she's like yeah, trying to convince like, him. You're not going to replace my mom. Like my mom didn't leave me. She was taken away from me. You're not going to be my new mom. Yeah. He just is so ready to just stay with these people. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like chill and hanging like anything. out. I think, yeah, I think anything. there's like a way to do this movie where um, he is kind of a dick to Kyle and Kyle is like, Hey, listen, I've been where you are. I want to help you out. And he's yeah. like, no, screw you. You're going to leave me. My mom left me. Everybody leaves me. And then at the end, his arc is like, no, Kyle never left him, even when Chucky was around. And then, like, he comes, and then she's like, I don't know where I'm going to go. And he's like, well, wherever you go, I want to go, too. That would be a nice little arc. That would have been nice. (laughs) Damn, I love when we come in and solve a movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We talked about it a little bit. What would you say the big idea of this movie is? 
I mean, it definitely has elements of like the first movie's gaslighting being a mm-hmm. problem where it's like people don't listen to you no matter what the stakes are. Like they won't listen to you until they see it for themselves, which I do think is fair. You should have proof before you believe something <laughs> this insane. But at the same time, it's very frustrating to watch as the viewer because you're like, I know Chucky's real and murdering people. Mm-hmm. Why won't anyone fucking listen? You all suck. Yeah. I, I, again, retreading things we talked about before. If a kid says a doll is real and killing people, even if that's not really happening in reality, something is going on with that kid that you need to listen to be like, there's something psychologically going on with him or something like within his home life that either he's projecting or making this up because he can't talk about the real thing that's going on. You know, something's going on there that you need to listen to if a kid is making up a story like that, which they don't seem to really address. <laughs> they don't at all. They brush right over it. Yeah. There is, I, I honestly can't remember if we talked about this when we talked about Child's Play 1, because that was 39 weeks ago. And yep. and not only that, Roxy, but uh, we've been through a lot of scary shit in that time. You know, we fought a Michael Myers. We uh, escaped. And befriended, kind of. We learned we was, to live with, learned to live with Michael Myers. Yeah, we like <laughs> him. We we grew to like him. I think our arcs generally is that we grow to like the monsters. <laughs> um, but it was so long ago. I don't remember if I talked about this in the first Child's Play, but I worked for a very short time uh, in like 2018 at an Alzheimer's uh, like hotline kind of center. Like, oh, okay. I did um, not know this. Both my grandparents had Alzheimer's. And so it's like the big tragedy of my life. And so I was like, okay, I can go like work the phones and like people just had this hotline number that I guess you can just Google and call if you are somebody yourself who has Alzheimer's. That almost never happened. What it mostly was was like kids and like my parent is afraid. Their um oh, their, no. their memory's starting to falter and we don't know what to do. Um but okay. then there were people who just like kind of needed somewhere to vent and it's just like that's a really hard thing to deal with your parent not knowing who they are. And yeah, something- and if you don't know anybody else dealing with that, like, who else would you talk right. to about it? I guess maybe a therapist, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's going to be way different than talking to someone who has that experience. Yeah. So I was, like, hanging out there and talking to a lot of people. And something we told a lot of adult children whose parents had Alzheimer's was that you have to meet them where they are. Like, it doesn't okay. do them any good for them to say, like, no, mom, you're at home. You're not at the cabin where you think you are. It's just like, who cares? Like. If she's at the cabin, just be like, yeah, we're at the cabin. Do you want to go take a nap if it's time for her nap? Like, like mm-hmm. it, there is this tendency to just be like, no, the facts are these. And yeah. it, it's something that uh, kept kind of popping up into my brain as I was watching this. And it's kind of what you're talking about. Like, there's a child who's saying this doll is real. It's like, meet them where they are. You can know for yourself that the doll isn't real. But if you go into that conversation saying like, well, what is the doll telling you to do? Why is this happening? What's going on? Like, yeah, then it's like you start to figure out who they are as a person and you get to what you want. You get the child to address what's going on or you get your parent to take a nap when it's time to take a nap. Like you don't have to have to like Mr. Simpson, who is just rigidly like, Andy, look, that doll is down in the basement and it's been down in the basement the whole time. He's like, all right, great. I'm still very afraid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a good Which another thing too, why did he didn't need to supplant the old Chucky doll? <laughs> he could have just left all. it in the basement. Leave it in the basement so whenever the dad says, Look, real Chucky's in the basement, it's that other it is that other doll. Whereas you're like scampering around doing all the murders you're trying to do. I, I don't mind him replacing the doll, but what is very, very funny is how very <laughs> early in the movie he disposes of it. He 
buries it under the swing set and then like the next scene andy and kyle are out at the swing set and kyle's like kicking the dirt and chucky yeah, he as a doll have buried it like two inches lower like he didn't even try the doll chucky is out there chucky. with them and he just like glances down he's just like uh-oh <laughs> like, he yeah yeah like they'll <laughs> see the it they'll see the corpse and it truly but, turns out to be his undoing like if he had so the, buried the doll can, anywhere can I, else can I talk about that as a clue, though, also? There have been so many kids who have gone through this house, right? What if one of them had a different <laughs> Chucky doll that they just buried there? You wouldn't immediately think that Chucky had destroyed it and put it here. It could have been any of the kids who went through this house before. It's not a clue, really, actually. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's <laughs> But because Chucky knows he murdered this doll. Uh, it, it, is such a, it is such a logic leap. There are so many moments in this movie that are just like with a slight amount of thinking about. You're exactly right. There have been a ton of kids at this house. Yeah. Like he literally had a room that was made up for him that like how many other countless kids have been here. The mother said, oh, that kid left that Tommy doll here. Like, yeah, that could have been. The, how many of those are there? Although, many. can I tell you my headcanon that if this were true, it would it would puncture that. Okay. I don't think that the Tommy doll was there for the children. I think the Tommy doll belonged to Mr. Simpson. And I'll Mr. tell you Simpson. I'll tell you why I think this. Okay. Because in that scene where he opens the basement door and goes, "Look, Andy, what do you see?" And he goes, "It's Chucky." And Mr. Simpson goes, "No, it's Tommy." Uh-huh. We've not seen Mr. Simpson interact with Tommy. Why does he know the doll's name is Tommy? Why doesn't he just say it's the children's doll that we have in the house? He knows it's Tommy, which makes me think he has an emotional connection to Tommy and that was his favorite toy. Maybe. I mean, the good guy dolls came out for people Andy's age, though. It's not like it was a big franchise. Well, actually, we don't know. Maybe. Maybe the good guy franchise has been around for 50 years. And I, I would Andy argue even, even it. if it was brand new, like there's something that is very sweet to me about Mr. Simpson just being like, I like this doll. I would like to have him as my friend. <laughs> I think it's a headcanon choice that would make uh, Mr. Simpson way more interesting, actually, <laughs> if he actually liked good guy dolls. But then it's like, how dare you do this to your friend? How could you put him down there like that? How could you treat him so poorly and, like, throw him down the stairs? Tommy is Rude. just trying to be your friend, Andy. He's your friend to the See, end. See, you throw your friends downstairs. That's what you do with your friends. See, I just did it. <laughs> it's your friend to the end. There's um, also what, one of my very favorite scenes. They they do, um, which we saw in Child's Play 1, like the little point of view shot where Chucky is running around. We get a little shot where Chucky runs up to the house and opens the door with his little doll hand. And then uh, a few minutes later, we get a mirror of that scene where we're getting a POV shot. And they're like looking at knives, whoever this person is. And the hand reaches out to open the knife drawer. And it's Andy. So all of a sudden, it's like, yeah. This is when Andy is finally deciding, I'm taking care of the Chucky problem. I'm not just going to keep going to adults and saying, like, you got to believe me. He's real and he wants to hurt me. He's just like, fine, I'll go fucking chop the fucker up myself. Like, it's really kind of powerful. Yeah. Especially because he sort of did that in the first movie, too, when he eventually put him in the fireplace and, like, turned it on. Yeah. Um, but this time, like, that was more of just using the environment to his advantage in that moment but this time he literally got a weapon and is going to actively hunt mm -hmm. down chucky he's going 
to find him. And also this knife is really funny because it's motorized for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what that knife is for. Is that like for cutting turkey or something maybe? I want to say it is. That feels right to me. Yeah, it's like a little mini chainsaw in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that knife is such a like Chekhov's gun. Like I kept like why did Chucky grab a hook to kill Mr. Simpson? Like why didn't he use the cool motorized knife that we already had established in the scene? Nobody gets uh, like cuz Andy had it in that scene. Like I the guess staging so. of that particularly. I d- you still could have made a way to make it work like I- Andy I want to see somebody get stabbed or chopped up with that knife. Like, why do we have this cool motorized knife for one second, Andy, to, like, touch it to Chucky's head? That sucks. Yeah, like, I was surprised that he killed Mr. Simpson by just, like, snapping his neck by making him fall. And it's like, okay, obviously, he needed to make it look realistic for when Mrs. Simpson found it. But at the same time, does Chucky care at this point? Just make it look like Andy killed him either way. You can do whatever. Yeah. Normally, you like to, yeah, have it. (laughs) <laughs> like stab people or do something very visceral this time you just let him fall and break his neck it's it's a little bit of like that had to happen for the movie to happen yeah. you know like but I, I think you're right like and that's kind of why like kyle needed to find the broken tommy doll for the movie to happen but they, yeah because they had set it up that chucky was just like oh god i fucked up like that yeah makes it that part work was funny. so well for me that like yeah that kind of just funny seeing that reaction especially because it's like yeah, we know this is going to uh, again Chekhov's gun. This is we're gonna mm-hmm. have this thing be discovered at some point. We don't know when. Is it gonna be now? No, it's gonna be later. It really is Chucky's downfall. Like if Andy had yeah. not found that, she doesn't. Well, I guess he probably would have taken her hostage and had her drive anyway. Now that I think about it, it doesn't yeah, because Chucky that much. could just walk up to her and like with a knife and tell her like you're gonna go do this mm-hmm. thing for me, drive me there. <laughs> like he, <laughs> she didn't, she didn't need to come to the realization that Chucky was real herself. He could just reveal himself to her and be like, "Do this thing for me." Yeah, no, but that wouldn't be quite as horrific. That's more like yeah, it's Chucky antics. Chucky doing what he yeah. wants. The, it, it was more scary. There is a little bit of like like once. Chucky has his cover blown, then he's like, all right, I guess just drive me to the thing. Like, he probably was going to run there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which also, can we talk about this for a second? Okay. Chucky calls the home where Andy had been staying and says, like, Mm -hmm. I'm his uncle Charles. And then all we Mm -hmm. get is a little, like, point of view shot from, like, across the street of him running up to the house. Mm -hmm. Roxy, have you ever gone to Google Maps and typed in, like, a restaurant that's, like, two miles away from you and you're just trying to check traffic? but you have accidentally left it on walking directions? Oh, uh, I definitely have one getting directions to like go to a place or something. Yeah, for sure. It takes like an hour per mile. Is that how it maps out? I can remember. <laughs> That's wild. I, I, I've definitely um, like left. Uh, oh, I went to a wedding a couple weeks ago and it was in Long Beach, California, which okay. I, a friend of mine had told me it's like, oh, it's like a two hour drive. And when I put it in my Maps app, I had left walking on, and it said, like, oh, no. 14 days. And I was like, this traffic is bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine how long it would take me to walk anywhere with tiny little Chucky legs. Oh, my God. So much longer. So much longer. <laughs> like, that should have been the first scene in the movie <laughs> where Chucky finds out where Andy is. And then we have a week and a half <laughs> with the Simpsons. It's just his road trip. <laughs> Chucky killing people or holding other people at knife point or, you know, smuggling himself into the back of a truck bed, something. If I could pitch my own Chucky movie, it would 100% be a road movie. Like two buddies. That'd be so much fun. Like Chucky's got concert tickets. I love road trip movies like that. They're always so much fun. It's just like Chucky and Andy like have these real great tickets to see the band churches. And they're like, we got to get, 
you're telling me we got to get from Seattle to Florida in two days or we're going to miss the concert? <laughs> and then Chucky just like murders everybody along the way. I think also, too, that would make it seem like he he could be murdering while stowing away and then it will implicate the people he was yeah. hanging with because you'll be able to chart their trip. So you mm-hmm. could totally make a Chucky movie about that. You just got to give Chucky a reason to want to go there, too. Well, because he likes churches. Oh, okay. I see. Chucky's a fan, too. Gotcha. Not enough movies where you're trying to get across the country to get to a concert in time. And also have a serial killer in tow. I know. I think Not about those. Listen, I think about Get Him to the Greek. I think about a Goofy movie. Don't those movies get better with a serial killer doll in the uh, backseat? They definitely get more spicy. That's for sure. They get spicy. <laughs> Roxy, do you have a question for me? Yeah, I sure do have a question for you. So there's a scene in the classroom where Andy makes makes a scene. He causes a scene by being loud. Uh-huh. So I was thinking, what was something you did as a kid that caused a scene in a crowd? There was uh, the fifth Harry Potter movie was coming out. And uh-huh. I had, it was like a couple days before it was out. And I went and hopped in line. And it was something along the lines of the first 30 people are going to get tickets to this movie. And I was 31. And so it was like unclear if I was going to get in or not. And I had a lot of anxious energy and everybody loved Mm. Harry Potter as much as I did. So I was just Uh like kind of holding court. (laughs) I was like, all right, time for Harry Potter trivia, everybody. (laughs) Uh, So you're trying to like endear them to you to be like, you got to let me in after this. It wouldn't be a bummer if I didn't. I think that was the vibe. Even after I became your friends in line. (laughs) Uh And yeah, I was just like hanging out and talking to everybody about Harry Potter. And we were all so excited. We were all excited for the Harry Potter movie. And uh, it worked. I got in. (laughs) I got got the last seat. I sat front row far left. So I saw everything at a a horrific angle. Uh And it sucked. (laughs) It was like not a fun (laughs) experience. But it was fun to just like be amongst my people and just like i don't know i host a bunch of trivia now in real life like i go host bar trivia every week that's so true like, i was gonna say it's kind of a precursor for stuff you would uh come to do later in yeah life. it turned out to be like that silly hammy personality was honed in line for a harry potter movie how about you roxy when did you make a scene as a child I was like maybe four or five years old when this happened. Uh, So my parents actually took me to see a play. It was like a play with a children's character from like these books I had read as a kid. I think the original books were maybe British or they were Australian. I can't remember. This was when I was like living in Australia for the brief couple of years my family was when I was growing up. But it was a play about the character named Naughty. He's kind of like this goofy sort of character he's got a red hat he kind of looks like a gnome but like lanky okay uh, like weird mario hi- from mario maker um you ever seen sure. you ever seen lanky weird mario it's gross i actually have not somehow i'm surprised that oh. has never come across <laughs> my twitter feed or something don't worry about before. it it's not important <laughs> uh but so so the main character is like a, a goofy good-natured sort sort of character who's like can be friends with everybody mm-hmm. uh but the story in this play was that he he got framed for a crime he didn't commit. Okay. And my child brain being in the, like, fiction of the story, I was like, he didn't do it. I literally stood up on my seat <laughs> and yelled, he didn't do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. I can't even remember what, like, the adults' reactions were. Yeah. I think everybody kind of, like, laughed and they were like, oh, this kid loves it so much. You're really getting into it. Uh-huh. But I was like, he didn't. <laughs> my parents were probably mortified. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> And Roxy, about it. 
you talk about precursors to what you're doing now. Like you're just as invested in stories that you watch. Yes, now. yeah, just as much, maybe even more so. Oh, that rules. <laughs> Roxy, on a scale from one to nine, one being the least likely, nine being the most likely because 10 does not exist in the scary basement. How likely are the events of Child's Play 2 to be real? So I said one out of nine. Wow. Again. Okay. Because serial killer and possessed doll blown apart, reassembled somehow, somehow still alive because of that, (laughs) decides to kill same kid again somehow. And then also gets blown up like five times and then comes to have his movie sequels. Uh, so I, I was like, nah, that's too many things. Too many things. Too many coincidences have to happen to make that specific thing possible. But there are foster kids in messed up situations. So I give it a one. <laughs> I had a, a different way of thinking about sequels specifically. But I think oh, throughout this okay. conversation, you might have convinced me to get back closer to the one scale. Then the nine, which I have written down right now, because my line of thinking was if we took the events of Child's Play one to be true, then just Mm -hmm. looking at Child's Play two, I was like, yeah, it all feels very logical. Capitalism would cause the company to want to save their reputation. Chucky would come back to life. Andy would go to the foster home. Chucky would kill Tommy. As we talked about, all of those things crumbled. And I was like, oh, those are all very silly. <laughs> so I think I, I, you just did this the other week where uh, I convinced you. I think you have convinced me. I'm moving it down. There you go. To a, a three. Because you're right. Okay. Foster killed kids are very real. I, I buy the mom's arc. Um, I buy Kyle's arc. I don't buy yeah. Andy's arc. <laughs> Yeah, because, I don't. Because Andy he doesn't, doesn't have, have one, and he's too yep. well-adjusted. But yeah, Kyle, yep. uh, Andy's mom, and foster family. Yeah, that all tracks. Yeah, yeah. Whew, we did it. Roxy, last week we made a bet. We were wondering how many times the word doll would be said in Child's Play 2. I said eight. Um, I said 30. So I swung big this week. You swung I big. I did a little uh, control F on the script of the movie. Okay. How the answer was 11. God damn it. Wow, I wasn't even close. You're pretty close. So we're back to a tie again. We're back. Roxy, 17 points. Mikey, 17 points. One tie. Some ties across the board. 30. Don't know what. No Too one many knows cryptic. What. <laughs> the before people left us a note. Dude, I'm so invested in the before people. We what really need to like take one of these weeks to just search everything, Mikey, to see if we can find more notes they left. That's a great idea. You know, we won't keep... review a movie, just search. Here's been here's been what's happening. <laughs> okay. We will okay. get inexplicably and supernaturally drawn into this basement. Like we do every week. And then we will immediately uh list three to four things that we see, say hi to each other, and then get interrupted by the demon bot. Uh-huh. And then we talk about a movie. And then we blow up the guardsmen and then we leave. Like, we need to just take some time at some point to just, like, explore our surroundings. See if we find, first of all, notes from the before people, but also, like, what are the limits to all the scary things down here? I mean, it's literally a labyrinth. There's an underground lake that the Loch Ness Monster literally lives in. There's a stink pit that goes to hell, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) There's so many things down here. I have a feeling it's non-Euclidean space that never ends. Mm. But I would be up for a road trip to figure it out. A journey. Which is so crazy because the house from House of Leaves that is itself a Euclidean space is also down here in the scary basement. So it's a Euclidean space in a Euclidean space. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Non-Euclidean space. Non-Euclidean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a Euclidean space. But there's also a non-Euclidean space in that Euclidean space, and then a second 
non-Euclidean space in that non-Euclidean space that is a Euclidean space. Roxy, here he comes, the demon bot. He's got <laughs> something to tell us. Have you been talking to Howard again? Because non-Euclidean just means curves. A sphere is non-Euclidean. Seriously, I need to have the ghost of the math teacher talk to him again. And, oh, he seems to be dressed like a, a little girl in a nighty. Hmm. You know what? I was, a new I look, was, maybe? When I was thinking, like, oh, I bet the demon bot will dress up like whoever he's going to do. It's like, he's either going to be a little girl in a nighty or a priest. And I wasn't stoked about either of them. So, all right, demon bot, what do you got for us? I mean, he's got uh, mechanical legs that probably don't fit into priest pants. So I understand the long dress going with that choice priests famously only dress in slim fit (laughs) yeah well hey the priest in this movie does he doesn't he he could have had like some sort of uh priest gown but he doesn't unless i'm remembering incorrectly and then i will be like yes he did he was rocking a cool priest dress well demon bot what movie do you have for us it sounds like roxy's already figured it out (laughs) anyway hey you talked about the priest first yeah what is it demon bot what's up that's right i did How many times must I tell you I do not dress as the characters from the movie? I just happened to be on my way to bed when I remembered I needed to inform you that next week's film is The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin and starring Linda Blair, Max von Sydow, and Jason Miller. Did you really expect me to wear a priest's clothing? I am a demon robot butler after all. Okay, so Roxy, for next week, we have to watch... The Exorcist. We can do that. Oh, The Exorcist. I was so surprised. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yes, let's do it. I had let's an watch it. <laughs> let's make a bet for next week. Huh? What do you say? Okay, let's do it. Let's say, what is the timestamp of this movie? I remember one line from this movie, one famous line. What is the timestamp when the little possessed girl says the famous, your mother sucks cocks in hell line? Okay. I said an hour 25. Okay, so Mikey, you said an hour 25. I'm going to say, I can have prices right you. I'll say, I'll say an hour 20. Hour 20, okay. So not exactly. I think it's in like the last third of the movie. I could be wrong though. That's kind of what I'm thinking too, but like, I, I feel I like older movies movie are really is. long. Yeah, it could be like the three hour movie and then we're completely... Not shooting around. I think it might be around two hours. It's been so long since I've seen this movie. I don't remember a lot, honestly. Yeah, me too. The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the time the infamous line, your mother sucks cocks in hell, is stated shall be declared the winner. The loser will be forced to take yoga lessons until they can recreate the stair crawl without wires. Well, we know what we're doing for next week. And Roxy, we've spent a lot of time talking about scary things. Dolls. Murder freckles let's talk about something that's making us happy what's going on in your life that put a smile on your face uh so i recently got the uh chance to very briefly kind of like mentor someone art wise they were asking i love this for tutorial stuff um and then kind of like what it's like to be a freelance artist it was like obviously a kid i'm not gonna say their name or any specifics but There has been a trend where some schools will ask you to be like, go hassle a professional in a field and ask them to like give you expert advice for free when they're doing their job, (laughs) Uh, which I don't like. And normally I wouldn't, I guess, promote the fact that teachers should be asking kids to do that because that's not fair to put a kid in that position Mm -hmm. where that's going to happen. 
But so I, I was like, I got some time. Sure, I'll I'll answer this. Uh, and had a very like good, genuine conversation with this kid. And hopefully they learned some stuff for real and got some perspective about how uh, daunting but rewarding. Like it, it's a very up and down thing to be a freelance artist. There's many things to like about it and many things to dislike about mm -hmm. it. Um, and I wish someone had given me a more sort of like grounded expectation for what that's going to be mm. and also just being like you know not everybody's situation is going to be the same so this was what happened with me could be your experience maybe not but this is <laughs> something to at least look to to see like uh maybe you will find a way that works better for you uh based on what i can tell you roxy that makes me real emotional that's how you're gonna live on past death by passing your <laughs> knowledge on to the next generation I sure hope so i <laughs> If they remember me in a year, I'll be I'll be happy with that. Um, what about you, Mikey? What if, what is making you happy this week? I'll tell you what's making me happy. Why it's leveling up in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roxy, I've talked about my Dungeons and Dragons group for uh, a, a couple times now. Uh, I like them very much. Our campaign, it's very fun. I get to pretend to be. Uh, first of all, my character's name is Mikey McCaller. I'm just playing as myself, but I get to be okay. a, a true stupid idiot version of myself. And just like whatever okay. flight of fancy enters my brain, I get to just like do it and uh, who gives fun. a shit. But I just leveled up. I got to level 11 as a fighter, which the D&D &D mm -hmm. heads know that's when you get a third attack. So I can just take oh, my warhammer and just wail on the monsters. And I don't know. It's just what very fun. What class are you? For having a warhammer, what would that be in D and D? I am a so like warrior or something. A human fighter. Okay. Uh, oh, gotcha. oh, wait, no, I'm a I'm a human eldritch knight, which means I got a little bit of magic. Oh, okay. Just a little bit of magic that I never use. I forget about it oh, every time. Well, you you have plenty of more levels to go, right? Yeah. You could <laughs> spec into something. You Sometimes might want. I make my hammer on fire with green, like green fire, and then it that's it, good. It right. hits people, well, and then the fire, fire means, gets around. But... Everybody, it's just, it's just fire. <laughs> and then I just say like, yeah. and then I do one more extra D8 of flame damage. And if they're vulnerable to flame, damn, they hate that. Those dudes hate <laughs> that. They hate being on fire. Most things do. So I'd say, heck yeah. Nice. Boy, Sounds like I. a good, a good choice. Roxy, each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping. And yet each week we still do escape. This week, to help us fight against this guardsman, I brought along... The Advanced Test High Energy Asset, otherwise known as Athena, a 30-kilowatt high-powered laser developed by Lockheed Martin. According to ZME what? Science, Athena, quote, combines multiple fiber what? laser modules to form a single powerful high-quality huh? beam and was fired at the hood of a car where it, quote, fried the engine. Many weapons experts uh, agree that Athena is the most powerful um, laser weapon ever created. I'd love to see the guardsmen handle a shot with this baby. Mikey, who gave you this thing? How do you have this thing? It sounds like it was created in Umbrella's lab or something. Oh, I purchased Did it with my it? endless wealth. Oh, okay, of course. Yeah, little known fact, Mikey is a super richo man. <laughs> he is, comes from money, is made of money. I am so excited to test out this advanced laser weapon on whoever is guarding the base. Okay, Let's that sounds highly experimental. I am once again going to hide behind this Iron Maiden while you Probably open the door and the do whatever idea. you're going to do. <laughs> I'll just open the cellar door. Oh, no. Roxy. Mikey? The guardsman of the basement is the devil. It's this the laser devil has himself. no power against an existential threat like the devil. Roxy, quit. <laughs> Our only chance is to repent for your sins. Repent. 
Uh, I don't know if he can affect me since I'm not Christian, so I think I'm just gonna walk out of there. I'll follow behind you, Mikey. Hi, Satan. Bye, Satan. Curse my Christian upbringing. Thank you.